that's good. That's the uh, Tenhara family, and I appreciate that. The group's getting bigger and uh, getting better, too. And, uh, but anyway, that's good. I'm going to preach this morning on the subject of avoiding the worst kind of failure. Avoiding the worst kind of failure. I want to tell you the story of, uh, that is recorded in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 18. Let me pray and then I'll preach the message this morning. Heavenly Father, it's a joy uh, to be in church. It's a joy to be with your people. Uh, thank you so much for the church family. And Lord, uh, we enjoy serving uh, you together. And we uh, depend on the prayers and encouragement and help of one another. And Lord, together we desire to please you uh, as individuals and uh, as a local church. I thank you for our visitors who are with us this morning, and I pray that you'd bless them and let them know we're glad that they're here in church with us today. I ask that you bless the preaching of your word. Help my mind, Lord, to remember and to be able to preach the message in a way that can be not only understood but applied to our lives. And I pray that you would bless it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The story in 2 Samuel chapter 18 has to do with King David who has been the king now for some time and he has a son, Absalom, who is a rebellious son. Absalom wants to take the throne from his father. In fact, he has worked for years to steal the hearts of the people away from King David, and he did so by, well, just basically making false promises and saying, if I were the king, I would have time for you. If I were the king, I would solve all your problems, you know, sort of like in the last presidential election and, and just like that. And he had worked to steal the hearts of the people. Not only did he do that, he raised up an army. And uh, Absalom was quite a uh, rebel. And he, and he raised up an army against his own father and his own nation's uh, army. And uh, when we come to this chapter, David has come to the place to not only protect the throne, but to protect the people. He has organized Israel's army uh, to put a stop to Absalom and his rebellion. He calls three men to be generals and he divides the army into three parts. Joab is one of his generals and then his brother Abisha, uh, he is another uh, of uh, the leaders and then Itai, I-T-T-A-I, he is the third general. Now it's quite uh, uh, touching when he is meeting with these men and though they're going out to put a stop to this rebellion, even if it means death to those that have rebelled, he says to these three men, now he said, uh, of course, Absalom is my son, and uh, I love him, and uh, I want you to deal gently uh, with him uh, if you can. And, of course, we see in the very last verse the broken heart of David because Absalom uh, is killed. He sends the three men and they lead the three different divisions of the army and the battle is engaged. Some 20,000 people died in what appears to be just the first few hours of the battle. 
And then Absalom comes riding toward Joab and toward his third of the army, and he is riding on a mule. Now, Absalom was a long-haired fellow. That's what the Bible tells us about him. And as Absalom was riding along, his long hair got caught in the limbs of a mighty oak tree. And as we understand from reading this chapter, the mule rode on and Absalom is hung there by his head. Joab, knowing what Absalom has done, and he loves King David, and he is very upset at what Absalom is trying to do to take the throne and basically to destroy the nation. Joab finishes Absalom off as he hangs there by the hair of his head in the oak tree. He takes darts, and the Bible says he drives them into his heart, and Absalom is left there hanging by the hair of his head dead. The war's over. The battle has ended. When they see that their rebellious leader Absalom is dead, uh, their army gives up and uh, word begins to spread that Absalom is dead. Now the important part of the story for our message today, there are two men uh, that are messengers of the general Joab. He has two men that are messengers. One is Ahimaaz, and the other is Cushai. And it would have been better if it was Mark or John. We could have pronounced them better. But anyway, it was Ahimaaz and Cushai. And Ahimaaz said, let me go tell the king what has happened. And if you read the detail of the story, you'll find that Joab said, you don't know the details of what has happened. You can deliver a message at another time. And for some reason, he tells Ahimaaz, I don't want you to be the messenger to King David. And he turns to Cushai and he says to Cushai, I want you to deliver the message to King David that Absalom is dead and the war is over. Cushai leaves and he is on foot as the messengers were and he was running to make his way to King David and give him the story of what has happened. Ahimaaz wants so badly to deliver the message that he takes off running as well. In fact, he overtakes Cushai. He outruns Cushai. And David looks out and he sees a man running. And he said, no doubt, that man is bringing a message to me. And when he got closer, he recognized Ahimaaz and he makes a statement that Ahimaaz is a good man. Are, are you all right, brother? Are you, you sure you're okay? All right, okay, all right. Uh, I, I've already might, might been sick there for a moment. Are you with me this morning? So Ahimaaz says, uh, I want to take the message. He runs ahead of Cushai. Uh, David sees him. He said, he's a good man. Uh, let him in. Now, I want you to take your Bibles and go back to our text passage and let's read the story again and see what happens. And the king said, now he's speaking to Ahimaaz here. 
Is the young man Absalom safe? Now, no doubt David desired that they would defeat the enemy, maybe by capturing Absalom, but he didn't want him to die. He said to them earlier, he said, be gentle with Absalom if you can. So he says to Ahimaaz, is the young man Absalom safe? I want you to notice what he says. And Ahimaaz answered, when Joab sent the king's servant and me thy servant, I saw a great tumult, but I knew not what it was. He said, I really don't know what happened. Notice what the Bible says. And the king said unto him, turn aside and stand here. And he turned aside and stood still. Now look at verse 31. And behold, Cushai came. And Cushai said, Tidings, my lord the king, for the Lord hath avenged thee this day of all them that rose up against thee. And the king said unto Cushai, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Cushai answered, The enemies of my lord the king and all that rise against thee to do thee hurt be as that young man is. He's telling him here that Absalom and the armies are dead. Verse number 33, And the king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, thus he said, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son, my son. The worst kind of failure is to succeed at the wrong thing. Ahimaaz got there first. Ahimaaz could run faster than Cushai. Ahimaaz overtook Cushai even though Cushai left first. Ahimaaz outran him but when he got to the king though he was the first there though he was the fastest runner though he desired to deliver the message he had no message to deliver now he succeeded at some things but he didn't succeed at the purpose of a messenger he had no message to deliver now, dear friend, there are many in our world today, they want to run the fastest. They want to be first, and they're in a hurry, and they're busy at life, and they're succeeding at some things, but they're succeeding at the wrong thing. I don't want to succeed at the wrong thing. I want to succeed in the will of God. Are you with me this morning? It's interesting to me how many times as I read through the word of God, how many people succeeded, but it was the worst failure because they succeeded at the wrong thing. Take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Luke in chapter 12. Notice the story here in Luke chapter 12. Now I'm preaching this morning on the subject, how to avoid the worst kind of failure or how to avoid succeeding at the wrong thing. Notice what the Bible says in this parable that the Lord Jesus gave in verse number 16. Luke chapter 12 and verse number 16. And he spake a parable unto them saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. 
And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. Now, this man's a hard worker. He's a diligent worker. He is a successful worker. He appears to be a good man. The Bible says in verse 18, And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 20, But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, look at it, and is not rich toward God. This man had the worst kind of failure. What was it? He succeeded at the wrong thing. Oh, he had plenty and he worked hard, but he forgot God. He never one time thought of God. He never thought of serving God. The only thing he thought about was things for himself and getting more and more and more. And then the day came that his soul was required and not one time did he ever lay up any treasure toward God. The worst kind of failure is to succeed at the wrong thing. I think of what the Bible says in the book of Mark. Uh, the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 8, verse number 36, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? This world recognizes those who have a status of wealthy or they have a status of things. This world says that man is successful. God looks down and he says, the man that doesn't put me first in his life, he may be successful, but he's succeeding at the wrong thing. And I don't want to succeed at the wrong thing. I want to succeed in the will of God. I want you to take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Joshua. Joshua, uh, the sixth book of the Bible, Joshua chapter 1. Uh, God tells Joshua how to avoid uh, the worst kind of failure. And here we find the word success in the Bible. But it's preceded uh, by an adjective that says uh, this is not just success, but this is good success. How terrible it is to succeed in the world and have no relationship with God. How terrible it is to succeed in the blessings of our hands but have no spiritual blessings, have no fruit of the Spirit, but a man who is not rich toward God. Notice what he says here in Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. In other words, Joshua is supposed to teach it. He's supposed to remind the people as a new leader in place of Moses. Uh, he's supposed to remind them of the word of God. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do all uh, that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. I don't want to succeed in the wrong thing. I want to succeed in the will of God. 
Now the Bible is not saying here he was a fool because he worked hard. The Bible is not saying in Luke 12 he was a fool because he saved what he had. He's not a fool because he has put into savings uh, the work of his hands. The Bible said he's a fool because he never one time thought about God. He had no wealth toward God. He had no relationship with God. And how sad it is we're living in a world today that promotes success, that promotes personal happiness, that promotes personal achievement. And those things are good and right, but they have no value unless we have a relationship with God. They have no value at all unless our relationship with God is what it ought to be. Here's what the wisest man in all the world according to God said in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse number 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. Teenager, succeed in 2022. We don't just have success, have good success in the will of God. Young couples, work to succeed this year. But don't just work your business on your own. Put God first in your life. God doesn't just know how to run a church. He knows how to run a business. He knows how to bless your life. He knows how to care for your family. Put God first in your life. And then these things, he said, will be added to us. I love the words of the prophet Micah who said in Micah chapter 6 and verse number 8, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee? Here's what he says. To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. That, my friend, is good success. So how do we avoid the worst failure, the worst kind of failure? How do we avoid succeeding in the wrong thing. Can you imagine the shame of Ahimaaz as he was told, you stand over here. And he just stands here. I mean, he got there first. Nobody brags on him for getting there first. Nobody says, Ahimaaz, you're a great runner. Nobody says that. But Cushai is the one that delivers the message. He's the one that succeeded. He was the slowest of the runners. He wasn't the one that requested the job. Ahimaaz is the one that volunteered. But Cushai is the one that got the job done because he did the will of Joab. Let's this year decide, I want to put God first in my life. I want God to be in my relationships. I want God to be in my work. I want God to be in my family. I want God to have first place and preeminence in every area of my life. I'm going to give you four words to help us to avoid the worst kind of failure. First of all, and you may want to write these words down on a piece of paper, maybe even in the flyleaf of your Bible. First of all, the word prayer. We ought to be people of prayer. Now, don't turn me off because you've heard the word prayer preached before. I want you to hear what I have to say about prayer this morning. Prayer is an important activity in itself. But prayer is the first expression of our faith in God. You see, when I begin the day by going to God, what I'm doing is I'm expressing faith in God. Uh, when I have a decision to make and I go to God in prayer, what I'm doing is I'm putting my faith in the wisdom and the direction of God. I want you to take your Bibles and go to Hebrews chapter 11 with me this morning. Hebrews chapter 11 
Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6. Hebrews 11, verse number 6. Now, the first step in avoiding the worst kind of failure, and that is to succeed at the wrong thing, is to spend time with God in prayer. We ought to be people of prayer. We ought to begin our day with prayer. A preacher said this many years ago, I'm going to guess 30 years ago, that I first heard the statement, and he said, Walking with God is getting God on the line in the morning and shouldering the phone the rest of the day. Uh, you know, uh, you, you, you talk to somebody, maybe, maybe you talk to someone and you're, and you're working around the house or, or uh, where, whatever, you're driving down the road, you're talking to somebody. Walking with God is getting God on the line the first thing in the morning and keeping him on the line the whole day. Now the Bible says this about faith, but without faith it is impossible to please God. Do you see that? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Look at this promise. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I'm ask you a question. If I go into the day, I'm well prepared, and my work is planned, and I go into the day giving it my best, or... I'm prepared for the day. I'm organized for the day. And before I go, I get on my knees and say, oh God, I need you to help me today. I have more to do than I can accomplish. God, I pray that you'd give me wisdom. Which is best, going alone or taking God with me? I say this morning, the way to avoid the worst kind of failure is to spend time with God in prayer. Let the Holy Spirit guide you in the time of prayer. We don't want to be the first. We don't want to be the fastest. We want to be what's right. We don't want to be like Ahimaaz. We want to be like Cushai who delivered the message, prayer prayer. You know, Jesus spent time with the Father. And, and I think the thing that, that, that convicts me about prayer the most is, you know, some people in the Bible, when they prayed, you think, well, you should pray. You know, I think of Peter. I, I think, Peter, you ought to pray. I mean, you stick your foot in your mouth every time you speak, and uh, you're always in trouble. You ought to spend more time in prayer. I understand Peter praying. I understand others praying. But Jesus prayed. You know, before he chose his disciples, he spent the night in prayer. You know, before Jesus began his earthly ministry, he spent 40 days in prayer and fasting in the wilderness alone. He spent that time with the Father. That convicts me. I see others, and I say, well, they need to pray. The only reason Jesus needs to pray is an example of what I'm supposed to do. Oh, I say the way this year to avoid the worst kind of failure is to spend time in prayer. Get God on the phone in the morning and keep him on the line the whole day. Second of all, make note of the places that we go and we do not go. Making note of the places that we go and do not go. The most practical thing we can do this year to guarantee good success is to keep ourselves in the right places and avoiding the wrong places. We want to keep ourselves in church. We want to keep ourselves at home when it's time to be at home. This society has ruined the home because we have more excitement about being out in society than we do at home. 
Our homes ought to be places that we enjoy being. Our homes ought to be places that we delight in being. It's a good thing for the family to be together. You know, we've replaced houses with many motels, basically, is what we've done in our culture. And every child's got their own motel room. They've got their own television. They've got their own telephone. They've got their own life, their own thing. And the family's separated in, in, in a little motel. Folks, it'd be a wonderful thing if we went back to a one-room house and found out about one another and we learned, I'm going to preach this whether you like it or not. I, I'm, I'm going to preach this whether you like it or not. I'm telling you, the devil is destroying our children because we put them in a back motel room and we gave the devil access to them through the television, the telephone, and the internet and we wonder why their attitudes are the way they are. I remember as a boy uh, growing up, I remember uh, when the electricity would go off at my grandmother's house. She loved it. I mean, she, she, she got excited when, when a storm came and electric went off. She'd say the same thing every time. She'd get her coal oil uh, lights out or her lanterns out, and uh, she would fix those, and she'd strike a match, and she'd light them, and she'd say, now, when I was a little girl, we didn't have electricity. Some of you all remember. <laughs> anyway. And she would say, and every evening we sat together in the living room. There were no Hollywood harlots to pay attention to. Come on now. They, 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 they wasn't anybody teaching your kids how to, how to break in stores and, and listening to music that said, uh, uh, said to kill people. They wasn't anybody listening to that kind of stuff. How dumb we are. Wonder why in the world they act that way. Well, friend, if that's all they sing and that's all they hear and that's all they're around, that's exactly how they're going to behave. I'm saying this year we ought to decide uh, the places that we're going to be and home is a good place and church is a good place. You'll find in this book right here the people got in trouble were in the wrong place. We're in the wrong place. Let me give you the third one. You didn't like that one anyway. Let me give you the third one. The people that we associate with. Here's what the Bible says. Proverbs 13, 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Wish I had time to preach this, but let me say it. And I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you'll let this resonate. You know, Lot was a good man spiritually as long as he fellowshiped with Abraham. Now, somehow or another, Lot got the idea that it would be better for me to be a successful cattle owner and herdman than would be to have a right relationship with God and stay with Uncle Abraham. Every time he got away from his spiritual anchor, every time Lot got away from his spiritual anchor, he messed up. And I want to say, you ought to find folks that help you spiritually in fellowship with them. You, you, ought to, you ought to have friends that help you to pray and help you to do right and help you to walk right and help you to live right. You don't want to be around folks that teach you words and behaviors uh, that are of the world and of the devil. We ought to have the right kind of friends uh, if we're going to avoid the worst kind of failure, which is what? Succeeding at the wrong thing. You look at Lot's life. After they separated, Lot was successful at the wrong thing. And Lot lost his family. Lot lost everything he had. It'd been better off if he said to Uncle Abraham, look, you're the spiritual one of the family. You're the wise one of the family. It'd be better for me to have less cattle 
and stay in the will of God than for me to have more cattle and lose everything I have. May the Holy Spirit of God help us to hear what I just said. May the Holy Spirit of God help us to hear what I just said. You'd be better off having your family than you would to have the wealth of the world and your family being divided. I'll give you the last thing. It's just because I'm running out of time. The right purpose. Take your Bibles and go to Isaiah chapter 1. How to avoid the worst kind of failure is having the right purpose. In Isaiah chapter 1, we have a people that are faithfully offering sacrifices to God. But they're not living to match their sacrifice. I want you to notice what the Bible says in Isaiah 1 verse number 11. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me? Now sacrificing to God is a good thing. But Isaiah said what purpose is that? You know what he's saying? You go to church, but you're not doing a thing the Bible says to do. You're going to church, but your relationship with God's not being affected. Now, some would wrongly conclude, well, I'm going to quit going to church. There is an option. We could say, when I go to church, I'm going to listen to what the Holy Spirit says so I can live a life pleasing to Him. Church does not satisfy my relationship with God. Church teaches me how to live out my relationship with God. You know what he's saying in Isaiah chapter 1? He's saying, I don't just want your sacrifice. I want your heart. You know what he's saying to us? It's not your tithe I want. It's your heart. And one of the ways we show him our heart is we give to God. But God is saying, I don't want your activity as much as I want the heart that's supposed to go with that. Now, Ahimaaz failed. He may have got the fastest run of the year award. He may have got the most eager servant award. But he failed in delivering a message. Let's decide this year. I don't want to succeed at the wrong things. I want to succeed in the will of God. Stand with me if you will. Matthew said in Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Heavenly Father, help us to seek you first. Help us to understand that coming to church is mighty important. But we're not just fulfilling a duty that we can now forget when we walk out the doors. But Lord, coming to church helps us with our relationship with you. Lord, we hear sermons about prayer and we agree. But if we don't pray, Lord, the purpose is wrong. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help the truth of the message to be in every heart and every mind. We would say, I don't want to be the worst kind of failure. I want to succeed in the right things. I want to have good success. Bless our invitation. Help us with decisions that we need to make now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As he